0: the First Day Podcast. Today, Leanne and Michael bring aboard a recurring guest, yet one who has a lot to offer. Matthew Gauvier, licensed professional counselor, certified addiction specialist that you can find. BehavioralHealthLabs.com. Or if you live in Canada, there's the U in behavioral. Today, Leanne, Michael, and Matthew will sit down to chat about addiction, trauma, the underlying anxiety that continues to perpetuate across America that still impacts millions of Americans, many of them without knowing it. It's time to focus in and prepare for some wisdom on the First Day Pod. Welcome in. This is the First Day Podcast. If you're listening to the podcast version, we'll probably start the show right here. Pleasure to have you aboard. It's another day, and it's another wonderful opportunity to learn, have some education, some empowerment, and maybe just maybe a little bit of wisdom for the road. And don't forget, you can follow the show, First Day Pod, ProtonMail.com is where you can email us. And if you want to follow the show, First Day Pod on Twitter and Instagram, we're every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We do our weekly check-in on the episode that was, so we can give you our feedback on how we think things went. So, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Instagram. And, of course, the show is every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, live on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Periscope. And you can check out our YouTube. That's tonight. Yeah, that's happening right now. And YouTube channel is available, so you can go to YouTube and type in First Day Pod, and you can see all of our past streams. And if you want to see us talking and engaging like this and all the wonderful graphics we have, you can watch those anytime on YouTube. If it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep and you want to listen to something that'll maybe uh, put you to bed, then throw it on, you know? (laughs) Or if you just want to learn because it's 3 o'clock in the morning, it's a great time to learn, then do that. Today's guest is a guest that we have on every so often. He's a recurring character on this show called The First Day Pod. If it was a sitcom, he'd be like the... You know, the very special guest star who comes on and enlightens us and teaches us and helps us just possibly learn a little bit something more than we had when we came on the show. He, of course, is my brother and also professional, licensed counselor, certified addiction specialist, Matthew Govier. Welcome in, Matt. Nice to have you here this evening. How are you feeling? Uh, feeling pretty good. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling today? I feel a bit overwhelmed. You know, it's a lot. It takes a lot to... Make a a podcast happen and market it and also be the person who has to put it all together. And when you're doing multiple podcasts at once, it feels like a lot of work. And you wonder, I have wonder what the reward is, what the benefit is. And sometimes it gets lost upon me. But when people say nice things or they say, hey, you know what? I really appreciated that episode. That helps. That helps remind me of why it's important. And this is the most important podcast of all. I always tell people that of the podcast I do.
1: Yeah, it's about what the payoff is. Um, how's my audio? Does it sound better?
0: Sounds good. Yeah, you sound you do sound better.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah, so sounds crystal clear, an like it's topic. in HD. What's that? Sounds like it's in HD. Oh, wonderful. It says HD on there. Great. So, I should just get the camera lined up with it. So this is all <laughs> in sync here.
0: Oh crap. Um, Oh yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: So it's an interesting point. Uh, you talk about sleep being overwhelmed and, you know, just like what it, what is the reward? What's the payoff? What are the goals? What are you doing? And, you know, obviously you have the time to do this. You have the space, um, to do this within your life right now. So there is a dedication to that. And if you didn't need an immediate payoff, um, monetarily well you obviously don't so then you're able to do this hello that's true
0: yeah so i'm not complaining so much but i'm just being honest about how i feel at the moment so and i think that's important on this show I'm Always going to tell you the truth if you ask me a question like that i will tell you the truth so.
1: yeah for sure i was just uh commenting and how you're feeling i think it's a good topic because i think many fe- many people you know feel overwhelmed whether that is you know from overextension and you know it's almost like perfectionism uh look at it in an addiction context and it's called performance addiction and it's like performance to what um it could be performance for i mean almost anything. So this would be a process in itself. So the performance is usually is, um, like workaholics. So that used to be a term and now, you know, they change these terms out now and again. So changing that out to performance addiction also. So I need to work more so that I perform more so that I get something. What is that? Some type of payoff.
0: Hmm, that's something to ponder. I oh look who's here, third brother Josh. Hey, how you doing? Hi, Josh. Hey, Josh. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you making the time. Well, well done, sir. Yeah, uh, Josh, that's anybody. A lot of
1: people uh, suffer from. So I mean, it's a good topic. Sleep also very good topic.
0: Uh, do you mean pr- a performance? Is there a difference between performance and process addictions?
1: Uh. Performance addiction would be classified as a process addiction.
0: Okay. Can you tell people what a process addiction is so they understand?
1: Yeah. Process addiction would be any addiction that does not include a substance. So when we talk about substance addictions, like SUD substance use disorders then we're talking about actually, so food addiction should be not a process addiction because it actually is the intake of a substance. Um, So that's probably misclassified, but so are many things at this point. But anyway, so process addiction would be uh, what would be known as a behavioral addiction in classical terms. So now they call it a process addiction. So like we're always in process of those particular addictive tendencies. So this is why no substance in itself is addictive because there's such thing as a process addiction. So how are you saying they're all processes? Um, In a way they can be. Yeah. So it starts off, the most obvious is um, substance addiction, right? I mean, we see that and it's really about, it's ingrained in the war on drugs, you know, started by Richard Nixon, um, which was really a political movement as to how, to how do you get control over a country that's out of control. So if you have two riding well, factions almost, so this would have been uh, the African-American community who were fighting for their civil rights at the time, and then you had the counterculture um, who was fighting for, well, they were fighting for civil rights in one way, but they were also fighting against the uh, Vietnam War too and many other topics at the time. I mean we had a president that was assassinated. I mean obviously I wasn't around then, but that's coming off the toes of 1962 or 3 when Kennedy was assassinated Two? 63.
0: 3, okay, 1963. So oh, there wait, we wait, go. Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's harness this a bit. So so in the end what is the overall point of uh, Because Josh has a question here. Josh says, so process addictions is something that is not particularly tangible?
1: Um, It's just not a drug.
2: So it's just not something that you're ingesting or taking into your body? It's an action that you're doing?
1: Yeah, behavior. Pornography. Behavior. Pornography, gambling, gambling. I mean, really, one can get addicted to almost any it's anything, any behavior that one participates in that provides a short-term reward. Okay, and a long-term consequence, but one continues to participate in that behavior despite the long-term consequence.
2: So when they call food addiction a process addiction, are they talking more about people that are, will eat anything just while they're watching TV, that they're more addicted to just the fact that they're doing that as opposed to being addicted to sugar or being addicted to like a certain substance. Like they'll just have fruit even, or they'll just have, they just need something to do while they're watching TV. That um,
1: I think people are more addicted to the actual food itself. Okay. Um, that seems to be the case. If we look at this, and this is where uh, the reason that I was talking about the 1960s and, you know, what is the difference between process and substance is because of we think of addiction with um, substances strictly because of the war on drugs. And then we had to figure out some way somehow to arrest people. It's like you got these two factions. What do they have in common? There must be some drug use. Let's go after that. Make it illegal, and then you start a war, and that's mm. the law and order. Let's start a war, you know. Then mm. years later, let's start a war on terror. Okay, let's do that. We'll start a war on that. So, you know, whatever we're warring about is um something that we can go after, it's very abstract. Um, so with <clears throat> with food, I don't know, I'm not really sure when the war on food starts. Probably pretty soon, uh, because it actually will start pretty soon. Interesting uh, book that I'm reading right now by uh, Norm Chomsky. Is that how you say his name? Um uh, no. Is very, uh, well, probably like the leading intellectual of our times, really. Yeah, and, he was totally uh, a linguist written.
0: before he became kind of the leading intelligentsia of his time. He's like 84. He's still around.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he published a book in uh, September uh, he's 2020. At, he's still a
0: professor. He works at Arizona State, I believe, as of now. He's out there in the in the warm climate because he's old. That's what you do when you get older. You go to the warm climate. So good. it's not a bad thing. You know, it's a good call. So.
1: Yeah, he's been out there for a little bit. Um, anyway, this book, uh,
0: what is the name of it? I can not think
1: of the name off the top of my head here. Um, he Robert uh, wrote it with uh, Robert uh, Pullman. Um, and he's a behavioral economist, um, and fascinating book because it actually talks about everything about our times and what's the main concern right now. The main concern comes down to like climate change. So we talk about like, okay, food addiction, drug addiction, blah, all this other stuff. People are so focused on the immediacy of what's like right in front of them that again, they're not looking at the larger picture. The larger picture is if this food was not addictive, I mean, come on, like this stuff, these companies have been doing this for a while. They know exactly how much fat, sugar, and salt to combine. That's even patented, so you can't even really look at it because it's intellectual property. Um, But they know what to do in order to cause you to want to eat more. So salt becomes one of the most addictive substances of all time. This is why they they actually tell you at the potato chips, I bet you can't eat just one. Because they know you can. I mean, study. So with the, um, if there ever is like a moron processed food, um, then that would come with climate change. Because we can't talk about, we really can't talk about food addiction without talking about processed food. Can't talk about processed food without talking about the climate. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's the larger picture here.
2: Brilliant. What was the book called?
1: Uh, I'm looking it up
2: right now. Oh, sorry. that you had it there.
0: Efforting. Uh, by the way, hello to Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us. She's saying hello. Anybody has Hi. comments or questions on the right hand, my right hand side of the screen can do so at any time. Uh, here's another one. As far as it's, food addiction, it fills a void. It's comforting. Spicy foods can help improve mood and chocolate as well. Spicy foods can help improve mood and so can chocolate. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Did not know that.
1: Um, the book is called Climate Crisis and the Global New Deal or sorry, the Global Green New Deal.
0: Hell yeah. Noam okay. Chomsky is very famous. People don't know. A lot of people make it political right away because he's had opinions. He tries not to be political so much as just express the truth. You know, he's written a lot of books, manufacturing consent going back many decades now. So He has a long history of just trying to display the truth of what he sees, not what the myths are, like the war on drugs and all these things that get perpetuated in propaganda. So as far as addiction, though, you know, I was thinking about anxiety as well. And a couple of people recently on Twitter in the fantasy baseball world where I spend some of my time, some people opened up about anxiety and they were being very honest and direct. And I thought it was very commendable. I was really, I was really appreciative of their willingness to be open and honest. If people don't like to always be vulnerable. It's a big challenge, especially in our society, you know, especially men, of course. I don't think that's a that's a secret, right? You know, guys have to be strong. And these are all dated and Antiqui- antiquity has given us all of these gifts that aren't really gifts. They're kind of they're kind of curses in a sense. But it's our job now to try to break down these barriers and say, you know, as a man, I am very comfortable expressing my feelings and to tell people that I love them and to tell people that I can be vulnerable. And I want to give tribute to uh, two guys, Ray Butler and George Montanez. I don't even know if they're listening or not. I don't care. They both came openly and honestly and shared thoughtfully, and I thought it was very, uh, it was very touching. And it also helps people, I think, in a way. What do you think? Do you think the question I have for you, Matt, is do you think other people coming forward in a public forum about vulnerabilities related to anxiety or addiction one of them was about addiction one was about anxiety do you think this is a net positive and helps other people to maybe reach out or is it self-serving and for a singular person even if it makes them feel better but it doesn't really connect with others um yeah so those are two good points um it's the
1: intent i believe that makes the biggest difference I mean, how, how do you know? You don't really know if it's going to be, um, if somebody just wants to say something because it's been bottled up for so long and they can't handle it anymore. So then they just say it. Um, and when they say it, it might be something that's taboo. So then other people relate to it and it starts a larger conversation. I mean, which can be cathartic in one sense for the individual. But there's also a danger there too. Um, an example of this would be So the Me Too movement was so important to start the conversation um, regarding sexual misconduct and the abuse of um, the abuse all around emotional, physical, sexual um, harassment, everything um, in accordance to women and what they've experienced. So that opened up this larger conversation across Twitter, I believe, is where it started on. And then it was cathartic for some people, but there were a lot of people, too, who were suffering through that because we opened up a big trauma wound at the time. And if it's not processed correctly, then that can lead to an individual possibly suffering more. So um, it's, it's very contextual overall. I think, I mean, I know that was actually a net positive so that things could be spoken out about the issue with that though, too, is that it leads to larger discrepancies where men um, start to develop a lot of anxiety these days, because especially like younger men, um, they're not really sure. And I'm not even talking about like, consent or anything like that i'm talking about just like asking um somebody that they find attractive um for their phone number or something like that um because of the the context of the current um political social um climate it has created this sense where they're not even certain as to what is what now and um that creates a lot of anxiety so now we've, we've it's like this power dynamic, okay? So the power dynamic was w- shifted with males up here and like females down here for so long. And that's out of balance. It's not healthy at all. And now it's like it's shifted kind of in the other direction, okay? And I'm not saying that everything that's happened, it, it was a bad thing. It's actually all necessary. Um, and now it's just kind of about balancing it back out. Okay, because we need that harmonious balance between um, the energies is what it is, male and female energy.
0: Interesting. Could it cause some people to withdraw further then? If they felt, without professional help, you know, I mean, do you find this in your own practice that you see these kinds of examples come through or is this just like the data that we're starting to see over the last three to four years? Cause me too started in roughly 2017 Harvey Weinstein Correct. and all that back then. Uh, both. Oh, okay. So it's possible for two things to be true at the same time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's both. So, I mean, this is always within clinical practice. Yes. I see this all the time on a, much more intensive level than we want to talk about on this show even um, because the the truth behind a lot of that is this great suffering that people go through i mean just horrendous suffering and manifestations of sure like addiction anxiety ptsd ptsd can lead to um well let's just call it post-traumatic stress Okay, because that's really what it is. Um, The disorder part just puts it in the DSM um, so that there's a code on it. And that code allows for billing purposes. Um, So people go through certain experiences that causes them to have that type of reaction. And um, that can manifest in isolation or withdrawal. Definitely, that can be part of it. Um, It can also manifest again in like anxiety disorders Um, It can manifest in, you know, addictions, I mean, depression, it looks like all this stuff combined. So um, understanding it and having people who are attuned to exactly what this is and being able to treat it appropriately is uh, just so important to help empower people so that we're not trying to um, project that. Sense of power on top of another and create that imbalance. You know, and there's a healing process we're all going to have to go through. We're only, oh, yeah, you know, a couple, well, a month and a half into, you know, this new, well, actually, like a month into this new administration here in the United States, which is the center of democracy for the world. And I mean, with the acquittal process that had occurred. For the impeachment hearing, I mean, now you see what is held as it would be like Rome, you know, this like center for democracy, symbol for democracy across the world, which is now Washington, D.C., uh, trampled upon with no explanation, with no um, consequence, no, no, anything. It just happened. And that's how things are. That's I guess that's the such example as to this is what happens there. This is see what happens with democracy. So it's the message. Yeah.
0: I know we're always talking about the collective conscious, not just ourselves individually. We all make up the greater good and the, the entire collective, no matter how cruel we are or how kind we are, it all is a part of it. And I appreciate that. I always have. And I always Keep that in mind when we're talking.
1: Well, there's messaging that's put out too. Like that's like, this is just so important to understand. Like, okay, so I could talk to you about some new events in the news that have occurred. Okay. So what are some events that have happened? Um, So there's the repealing of the antitrust um, law from 1945 that protected uh, private health insurance companies um, from being um, uh, prosecuted by any type of antitrust law. So they had exempt since 1945, all private health insurance companies in the United States have had exemption from antitrust act um, prosecution. So that was lifted December 22nd, 2020. That's interesting news. Don't you think that would be like good to know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's important. I believe. Um, So, I mean, that's there. But what's the messaging like? What comes out into, as you're saying, the collective consciousness? Not that story.
2: Right.
1: What else happened? That's more the CEO
0: theater thing, though.
1: Well, but the political theater becomes like messaging on like every level. So even on like these platforms and things of that nature. So this is an interesting platform because like StreamYard. Okay, so we're not like technically on YouTube or um, like Periscope, but you are, you connect with them, affiliated, right? And then they stream everything we say, and based off of what we say, that can be censored. Okay, so you can be cut out. There's actually, I've probably said a couple of things so far that could would flag this. Right. Okay. It's possible. There's uh, more likely there's it would algorithm. only be
0: copyright stuff, truthfully. It's not much you say. It's uh, using other people's intellectual property. That's the big no,
1: thing. No, 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 no. I'm talking about exactly what you say. It runs through their algorithm. And then right. you will either be pushed
0: down. Oh, you're sure saying, no yeah, but there's one... a difference between being pushed down and being you know, cut out. We're not going to be cut out, but we will. You're right. We but be that could out. happen, too. It could. Yeah. it's. I'm not saying it's impossible, but.
1: There's certain things that you don't hear about because it's not allowed on platforms. It's not because people aren't talking about it. Okay. This is, this is what I'm talking about as to why are people anxious? Why are people addicted? Uh, You know what is this collective conscious? This collective conscious is like, really it's, it's more than political theater. It's really now like this media control theater is what it comes down to. This well, starts to sound of the, very a like a conspiracy theory and all this stuff. But I mean, it, it is very it. true.
0: Political theater yeah. one-on-one is media propaganda control. It always has been. And if anybody who doesn't understand that, I'm afraid you just haven't done your research and look back in history. So don't think I'm some kook who's like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? This is, this makes a lot of sense to me what you're saying, that we're all feeling the underlying, the underbelly of nervousness and anxiety that permeates America and American life is because we know what the truths are, yet we're being bombarded with things that aren't the truths. And how do you decipher between what's true and what's not? And it just makes you we get really uncomfortable. It makes your body out of whack. Your equilibrium becomes totally jacked up. To
1: even get to that point that you just said is like advancement in a high degree. <laughs> yes. To even get to the point that okay, is there, is discernment needed? Yes. Even, so I think that's, now that's like a higher degree of intellectual understanding now. Wait, remember, let,
0: me, let me say uh, something. Let's refocus this to a smaller level, like even in our okay. own lives and relationships, right? Yeah. Families, uh, marriages, this stuff, nope. this isn't just a like a, a national collective thing, right? This comes down to our very micro lives in terms of you know, the 10 to 20, 50 people that are associated with me. On a yeah. Basis.
1: So it's what I'm describing is like when I was talking about the news and what, what comes out is like specific policy in itself. So the reason that I talked about the, um, that antitrust law that was repealed in 1945 is because that was one piece that was moved on December 22nd and signed into law on January 13th of this year, 2021. And then you had, um, the first week of February, the CEO of Aetna and CVS stepped down. And then also the CEO of United Health Group stepped down. Okay. Uh, these are two of the largest um, private health insurance companies in the United States and two of the highest revenue producing companies uh, they're in the top 10 revenue producing corporations in the United States. Okay. So there's these pieces that are happening the week before that on the 26th of January 2021, Joe Biden, our current president, announced that he's going to open up the health, um, healthcare.gov marketplace again, which just opened yesterday. Now the marketplace is open for the second time. It was just open in November. It was a big deadline. Everybody's got to sign up before the marketplace closes. Sure, yeah. So now it's open. The end doesn't have to worry about
0: that, but yeah.
1: No, no, no. Specifically for uh, Medicaid enrollment. So how does this affect us? This, this is it, man. This is access to healthcare. This is like, people have all like, like you said, there's people, you know, you're connected to like these relationships people have and all this, like we're so close. And what's going on is why emotions are contagious. So if somebody is having like a, a mood dysregulation of some type, it's going to affect everyone else around them. If you have a lot of people having it, it's going to affect a lot of different people. And then people don't have access to care. 47% of people who qualified for um, private health insurance or for uh, Medicaid um, on the um, health care exchange did not even sign up because they thought it would be too cumbersome. Hmm. So now Which you've got... What? well. Look at everything that's happening. So this is what's happening and then this is what's going on. And like our government, this is happening in the country, in the United States. Yep. So you have all these pieces being moved. You have the, in case anybody didn't know, yes, if you live in the United States, um, healthcare.gov is open right now. If you don't have insurance, you can go ahead and enroll and get insurance. You can even look for a different plan possibly. No one's talked about any of this. We just know it's open.
0: Well we also so, haven't go, mentioned the pandemic once yet.
1: Go check it out. Well, because this is all about the pandemic.
0: Of course. That's what I'm saying. It's relevant to the conversation.
1: Yeah. No. So and that's that's what started this whole, you know, cascade. Um, so yeah, we're hitting that five hundred thousand deaths within the United States, which is quicker. Um, I thought it was gonna happen until April. So we're at four hundred and eighty-seven thousand. Deaths in the United States alone. Um, if you go to behavioralhealthlabs.com slash vaccine near me, um, it will give you the location of, well, you pick your state and you pick your city and it will provide you with um, who to call, where to go to get your COVID-19 vaccination. So that's a um, great resource because people are really confused and don't even know where to go. So behavioralhealthlabs.com slash vaccine-near-me. That's what it is. And it also tells you how many vaccines have been uh, distributed so far.
0: Matt's website's great. It's really good. They're doing wonderful things. If you are interested in professional help, you can go to the website, behavioralhealthlabs.com. Or if you just want to learn more, there's a lot of educational uses on his website. Right, Matt?
1: Uh, yeah, no doubt about that.
0: Yes. So, so I, I'm not just saying that. I mean, I've, I've talked with my brother for hours and he's explained a lot of things they're doing over there. It's really, really kind of cutting edge in my opinion. He's right on the, the cutting edge of what's going on in mental health. And that includes everything. People think mental health is just certain things like anxiety, depression, those big ones that you always hear about, but it's everything. COVID is very, very much a part of our mental health right now it's very much affecting it in negative ways uh, mostly negative i would assume because of fear and anxiety and unknown of how or if i might get the virus and are people that i don't know taking proper precautions to prevent the spread of it i mean these are just so many wormholes we could start going down with that would exhaust us leanne i know you know that and leanne you taught you don't talk about it much but it, you had to stop talking about it because it would have drove you crazy
2: it was driving me crazy. And even right now, just during this conversation, <laughs> I can feel I'm getting a headache. I'm starting to feel like super tired. That's Those are all my signs of like overall stress. And for some reason, just even though I'm not, I don't feel like I'm worried about the pandemic. I don't feel like I'm like in this constant, oh my gosh, am I going to get it? I never consider, am I going to get it? But I, anytime I start hearing these numbers, anytime that I hear about this stuff, I like shut down. I think it was March, April, May of last year. I, couldn't ha- I could not go into a conversation and talk about COVID without crying. Like I could not do it. I was having a really hard time. And so my answer has been, and you can tell me, Matt, whether this is a good idea or not a good idea. My answer is I don't get involved in the conversations and I try not to. I know that education is power and you should know everything that's happening. I don't watch the news. I don't care about the numbers. I don't want to hear it because it's, I have a hard time well, with
1: it. Yeah, just tracking the, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> I was looking at this and looking for, what was I was looking at, um, I was trying to find some specific policy data on um, on this and all I could find were statistical analysis I'm like, great. Okay, cool. Yep. Great. Cool. Okay, I've got this. (laughs) And I'm like searching, searching, searching for policy. Because what people want to know, and especially I know this is very relevant in Canada, you you're not really told what the policy is for mitigation and suppression. So you don't know what you don't really know when it is that this will be lifted, or Mm -hmm. why it was put on by to the stay home motors to
2: put on. Right. Put and to the point that they're not telling us until like, I think it's today that we went into the red and, but our numbers, the way that they are, we should be in green, but they're telling us to go into red and they didn't tell us what that would mean until like Friday or something like that. So small businesses that are trying to open, they're given like three days to figure this out. And then we have people that I have a girlfriend that's up, um, like Barry. Not, she's just in the outskirts of Barry. Barry's a city that is really bad numbers. Her area has zero numbers, and she's in red because she's close to Barry. But she shouldn't have been compared to the numbers that we're supposed to be checking. So it's this big kerfuffle, and it's that adds anxiety. Where Where's that yeah. come from?
0: Well done, <laughs> <laughs> kerfuffle. Triple word score. <laughs> um uh, no I,
1: I I hear you on that and that's uh that's a problem with this huge public health uh, dissemination of information uh, issues mm-hmm. that are going on so uh, like the public health system should be educating people in very translatable understandable terms mm-hmm. it's not happening so then what happens stress response you just shut down mm-hmm because you don't even know what's going on.
0: So what do it's you say like to people a, who don't know what they're feeling? They can't explain it. What well, they they're know feeling? they're not well. They know they're not sick from COVID. I'm saying there's something bothering them, and they can't quite place it. What, what can we say to people who are going like me? Like what
2: that? can you say to me because I'm having? Well, we know your problems.
0: Yeah, we we already like talking about COVID specifically. Yeah. You said so. At least we already. Yeah, I'm talking about people who have anxiety. And they always, because there are people I know, they talk about anxiety. Oh, God, I'm so anxious. I feel so much anxiety right now. And some people don't know why. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Like the guy in uh,
1: uh, Silver Lighting's playbook.
0: Exactly. Exactly (laughs) like that. (laughs) That's a good movie, by the way. It's a a good movie about mental health. I, I think I liked it. But the coping mechanisms galore, drugs, substances, or processes, like you said, gambling, sex, all of these things are in play. What can you say someone by the way, let's make this clear. this is a podcast. this is for entertainment and informational uses, but this is not medical advice. none of us are medical professionals, and we always make that clear. It mm-hmm. says it right there in the fine print here in the uh intro for the show. but what can we what can we do Matt? can you help us? Can you give us any advice to people who don't even know what they're feeling and they need help? well. And people
1: know what they're feeling. Um, It's if they have somebody to talk to about it or not. So, I mean, we have to look at it like case in point. So like there's these broad topics, like the ones I was talking about earlier that affect us because those are policy. Right. And then when you get down to these issues, as far as like feeling um, you're not sure what you're feeling. I mean, definitely connect with um, a therapist, connect with a a counselor. People like the word counselor. People like the word counselor. They like the word coach. So connect with a therapist or dang it, connect with a counselor (laughs) or coach (laughs) to help guide you through these times um, and uh, get some questions answered. So I try to empower people. So what is it? So fear is usually a lack of understanding. So if you don't know something, we can become afraid of it. This is the classic example of, the uh, monster underneath the bed, right? Or it's in the closet. It's in the closet. Monster's in the closet. Lights are off. Things are like spooky, right? So, you know, the imagination takes over. Same thing happens in adulthood. The imagin- imagination takes over. Um, and then as soon as the light comes on, we can see what's happening. And we see there's nothing there. But what do we really see? It's not that there's nothing there. We see what is there. So now we have the knowledge. Now we know, okay, what we thought was big and scary was just created in our mind. And objectively, we now have the information or the knowledge to know it's just some clothes hanging up or the cat was under the bed or whatever. Okay. And black mold is a good analogy also. Oh yeah. So like black mold grows in the dark. That's what it does. So, Um, what do you do is you make sure that you dry things out and you put light on it. Okay. So black mold is this toxic, deadly substance, but it can only grow in the dark. So as it continues to grow, you get sicker and sicker. As soon as you shed light on it. Okay. Now you actually take care of the problem and the mold goes away. Okay. That's another metaphor for this informational piece.
2: So when are they going to shed the light on COVID and what this really means for people?
1: They won't. We have to individually. There's no they. There's I and us. And we.
2: So what does that mean? Go ahead, Mike. Please. No, I was just going to say, so what what does that mean for us? Like, how do we... Get through because you're hearing things about things not opening up until 2022. You're hearing things that mass will be here forever. You're hearing all this kind of stuff. So what do we do?
0: We well, maybe there's no easy answer
2: to that. Maybe we adapt.
0: Matt's not a soothsayer. He can't give us the ultimate answer. Of course he can.
2: It's exactly why we have him on the show.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, literally, that's okay. So I was actually talking to a client about this earlier. um, we were talking about a lot of different things. Um, but looking at like, um, so all behaviors are biological and this client, um, like came into terms with that. And, uh, this specific client, um, is, uh, quite who, uh, is in the medical, um, profession. So, you know, when, um, this person is told to go see a, um, mental health counselor, then they're thinking they're going to have a mental health interventions and, then the idea that all behaviors are biological really starts taking place. And we start taking like a deeper look and looking into other areas, um, such as like how their environment is affecting genetic expression and um, how their microbiome is affecting their behavior, what their hormone levels actually are, um, and all of these like nuances that are so important to understand because that's gonna affect the way that behavior um, actually occurs. And then, like, what supplementation to take all this stuff? So, um, <clears throat> that's like just one way of looking at okay, so empower that person to help them along the way. Okay. And that's the, so there's an example right there. So, then this person shifts their paradigm and looks at things in a new way. And then they become empowered, and anxiety is all suddenly relieved. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, the anxiety was relieved. That was the chief complaint. What was the answer so far? Empowerment. And that was the way that that, um, this person was empowered. Um, How long is this going to go on? Well, we can only follow the science on it. So what does the science say? Uh, Paper published in cell biology um, uh, last month. um, So January, 2021. Um, And cell biology is like nature. Uh, It's not some just journal that, like anybody can submit to and like, you're going to get in there, you know, like, uh, we can't just write up some paper and be like, Hey, let's submit it to cell biology because, you know, we dissected uh, a leaf or something or put it under a microscope. (laughs) You know, this is like a very prestigious top of the line, um, peer reviewed journal. So what they looked at was they looked at what's herd immunity. How do you reach herd immunity? Isn't that the idea? Herd immunity That's what we have against polio. That's why we don't have polio. That's what we have against um, measles, mumps, rubella, all of these types of um, diseases, smallpox, um, that ran rapid, right? All over. They were everywhere. But herd immunity was able to stop that. So what's the goal? Okay, infectious disease, herd immunity. How do we reach herd immunity? Simple equation. This equation was calculated back March twenty. 20. And they predicted exactly how long the pandemic would go on for over the next year. And they were like to the T correct. So I didn't, I wasn't surprised by any of this. I'm like, yep, this is, i have just followed the same chart for March and this is what they're showing. So then this paper that's published in cell, same thing. <clears throat> so you can go on to uh, behavioralhealthlabs.com And click on right on the um, front page, it says Important News. You can click on that, and this paper is available right there towards the bottom of the page. So you can go ahead and read it for yourself. And basically what it describes is that we need to get to herd immunity, which would be 75% of the population. 75% of the population um, would be globally. So once that happens, then we would start lifting all these restrictions. Remember, all this stuff is in place. To make sure that we don't get sick and that we don't spread this to other people. That's the whole point. 45% of people are asymptomatic. Okay. 45% of people are asymptomatic. They don't even know they ever had COVID. You could have COVID. You could have COVID. You don't only really know if you go get an antibody test. Because if 45% are asymptomatic, well, that's how it goes. But of that 45%, 80% will develop some type of symptom within 90 days. And these symptoms are usually inflammatory symptoms, which then are, they manifest as like mental health disorders, anxiety. I'm feeling anxious. I don't know why. To your point. Depression. Oh. So remember, COVID-19 is very real. It's very, it's happening all the time it's it's here and it's the root of many of the anxieties not because of fear but because of physiology anyway cell biology says that this will go on for about four years before we're able to contain it if we get all the vaccinations distributed and in people's arms in the right time because that's the same amount of time that it took for all these other uh, infectious diseases to unfold
2: do you think they'll keep the border closed up for that long? Uh, Leanne, he doesn't know that. He doesn't. Yes, come the on, Matt. Give me the answer. Write, write a
1: letter to uh, Trudeau. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, Have mom. you done that yet, Leanne? No. Uh, okay, I do.
0: he'll
1: listen to you.
2: Okay, I'll do that.
1: Well, you can go wherever you want. Yeah. Can
2: you? Yeah, of course. Oh, yes, she can. Leanne can. I just yeah, can't come, come back. With... Well, I can come back, and then you I can't. just have to stay in a hotel for whatever yeah. yes i can do yes yes i can do that yeah you
1: can do that that's the yeah. whole thing is you think that you can't but you can
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i can
1: anyone so, yeah. can i mean leave and these are now the rules uh that are pretty much ubiquitous across the globe at this point yeah so the the um you know you can leave but then this is what new zealand did from the beginning okay anyone that comes in quarantines and then you leave, and you go back to your country, or if they're coming back to the country. Then they quarantine for 14 days. Mm-hmm. That was their policy. We're like, hey, maybe we should like do that. That looks like it worked. So.
0: Let's try to harness the message here. Then, what are we, what are we getting at then? Here, what can we take away when we turn off this show? If you're listening on the podcast version, and you're like, well, I don't really feel like I have any clear answers. Is yeah, that is I'm not blaming anybody? Here. Freeform
1: talk, man. What are the clear answers is that people have to empower themselves. Okay. And that's really, I think that's what it comes down to. It's self-empowerment, which becomes community empowerment. When we become victims of our circumstance, um, then we are no longer helpful to ourselves, our family or the community at large. And usually that happens when we become defeated in some way Again, because we don't understand, we don't have, like, the knowledge that we need in order to move through the situation. Things seem overwhelming. Yes.
0: What about addiction, though? I want to ask you before we wrap the show up about this, and I forgot to ask you, because I don't even know where you stand on this now. Are you under the guise of the addiction model being disease or no, or is it, does that matter?
1: um well no it's definitely uh okay so what's a disease because i, I, w- I a- want to
0: say what i said this for real quick i just want to lay it out for you because i listen to all these podcasts i typed in on spotify addiction and all these podcasts pop up and all these people the first thing they seem to talk about within the first five minutes of the show is whether or not it is a disease and some people are dismissive of it on their addiction podcast and then others are saying oh it's a disease and we need to do this this and this so i just wanted to see if we can provide some clarity on that the, the only reason
1: that there's even a debate, what's the other side of that debate? Disease or uh, free will or willpower thing? You know? Disease or willpower. Okay. Disease or choice? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, again, you have to understand the history. Okay. It's rooted in racism and it's rooted in drug policy. Right. That's... So when we understand that, when we understand that specific drugs became illegal over time, because, in the United States anyway, um, because of laws that needed to be created against certain groups of people. So specifically like uh, Latino populations, um, black African-American populations, um, um, Chinese populations on the West Coast. So laws were enacted to target these populations through drug policy. Okay. And when you have that, so the drug policy laws come into place over time. So from the late 1890s all the way up to 1975 with the ultimate, you know, just um, Nixon's war on drugs right there. Boom. Right. Okay. So then when you understand that policy, that's the only reason you can even look at free will versus choice or, sorry, choice and free will versus um, addiction as a disease. OK, so if you if you are trying to arrest somebody who broke the law and then your intent is to like, punish them and create a behavioral change, because the only reason exactly. that they could break the law is because they are a bad person. If they have a disease, they couldn't break the law.
0: But this goes How- to the shame thing, too. This goes to the what, people in the tough love examples that get put on people who are well, in that addiction. just
1: came from reagan and nancy reagan see nixon nixon wasn't a moralist nixon no. didn't really care about morals but no reagan guess. was a moralist. He didn't have ethics either <laughs> no, no but reagan was a moralist so what happens is presidents pick up on things that other presidents like whatever is working for that last president bring it over what wasn't working say that it wasn't working so this war on drugs thing was really popular Right. Even to the well, that's point where, it where... Comes from,
0: people learn that and they apply yeah. it in their own family lives and their own individual relationships with people who are going through addiction and it becomes too difficult. I, my point is, I believe that more inclusivity and love and love and love is a tougher road to go down when, it, when you are having someone that you love who is in the throes of addiction. It's a lot harder to do that because after a while, it's just easier to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I just can't help you anymore because I'm exhausted by it, which I understand. I do understand it's right. exhausting, it's the tougher road, though, but I do believe it's the better way.
1: Uh, well, this is like uh, Robert Weiss. Okay, first of all, let me back up so addiction, um, uh, disease or um, choice, free will, right? Okay, well, if it was choice and free will, we wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> Right. It'd be done. We'd be done with this. We wouldn't even be talking about it. Addiction yeah. wouldn't exist. Who would
0: willingly choose to go through, you know, living on the streets or having no, you know, nothing and sacrificing all your hygiene. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Correct. So we can make an argument for that. And that's mostly like schizophrenia. When you're talking about that, those are, those are people. Who, most so most people who are homeless, um, suffer from schizophrenia and, um, substance use disorder is a secondary, um, well, disorder from that to self-medicate. That's what usually happens. Um, <clears throat> so is it a disease? Okay, well, I would say it is. Do we actually know the co- a disease in the sense that when there is an organ in the body that is dysfunctioning, so not working as it was before, it has changed in some way and functioning differently in a maladaptive way or um, a way that's harming the organism, then you call it a disease. That's part of the disease process itself. That organ can heal and change too, though. Okay, so case in point with the brain, we're talking about the brain being the organ. Um, as one uses chronically over, t- well, not even chronically. So we can look at a study that was um, uh, published. Um, this is 2013. I believe it was done by Yale and a couple other universities like in conjunction with each other. So what they have what they have shown is that they brought in three groups of people in this uh, study. Four groups with so a control group. So you had a group of people who were um, using heroin for anywhere from, z- from three, sorry, four months to twenty-three years, and then a group of people who are using alcohol for the same amount of time, and a group of people who are using cocaine for the same amount of time. So a large range, right? Very large range of use. And then they had a control group of people who had never used a substance, an addictive substance of any type. And what they did is they put them in MRIs and they looked at their gray matter density. So the amount of gray matter volume within their brain. Gray matter volume in the brain is the number of synaptic connections that we have within the brain, okay? So it's the number, how many neurons are connected? There's gray matter and white matter. White matter is at a different level. Gray matter is something that, Um, we can lose over time. And when we lose that, we start to have issues such as like functionality, um, uh, decision-making, attunement to others, all the things that we talk about, like uh, you said, Mike, that who would choose that, okay? That's everything that the gray matter um, would encompass. So, and specifically frontal lobe, it's a lot of gray matter. Um, So what the study shows is that over the course of time, Um, it continued, the gray matter volume continuously declined. Okay, so use, so use is time, gray matter volume. So it was going down. As people were using longer, their gray matter volume was going down. Okay, so their brain was changing. Okay, so brain changes, uh, decision making changes, and we're looking at a disease process. And then the healing part comes in, what they also showed was that they took the same group. And remember, there's a control group that they compared them to. So then they followed this group for two years, so 104 weeks. And what they saw was that in every single group, as time went by, the amount of time that goes by, um, gray matter volume increased. And in actually around 38 weeks, it surpassed the control group. Okay, for people who had never used that doesn't mean go out and like use drugs and your brain's going to get like better and you're going to have faster processing speed and all this stuff. Cause that's not the truth of it. The truth is that more synaptic connections come together. That gray matter volume density is higher. <clears throat> excuse me. It's higher because of, first of all, you're not using, so you're not in this, this uh, reward motivation cycle feedback loop. It, that's what addiction is. It's a huge loop of reward motivation cycle. So you don't need, other parts of the brain because all you're doing is this one thing really that's so the brain is has no redundancies right. it says okay we don't need this we've got this down with the reward motivation circuitry <laughs> so that people stop using and then the rest of the brain starts coming back online so these synaptic connections come online and they also encounter different situations in where basically life is a trigger so everywhere they are in life it creates a situation where they have to create a new neural pathway to Mm -hmm. learn, to get through that situation. So then creativity boosts because of that. Cool. So Mm -hmm. the brain heals in this way. So addiction is a disease. Yeah. The brain can go into a disease state and one no longer has a choice. Case in point, go to the hospital, get surgery. You're on morphine for two weeks. Everyone that comes out of that, will be physically dependent hmm. okay there it is some people will go seek it out other people just like think they had the flu hmm. so maybe if we didn't tell people <laughs> that like they're withdrawing yeah. from drugs they would just stop doing it yeah,
2: for there
0: it is how did that most happen so often <laughs> wow that is so informative this has been a great episode another wonderful conversation with matthew govier Licensed professional counselor. The guy knows what he's talking about. He takes the time. He really, really knows this stuff. This is great. Uh, Leanne, any parting words before we go?
2: No, I have to go and listen to this as soon as you put it up. I need to re-listen to it all. Matt, thank you so much for being here. So yeah, thank for you for having
1: me. Can you tell what?
0: Oh, go ahead. Can we uh, answer this question briefly? Is it possible? Uh, Josh says, I read before that people play video games versus people who don't have more gray matter. Is that true? And if you don't know the answer, Matt, that's okay. Yeah, I I don't know the answer. I can't comment on it. See, that's the kind of guy you want to be listening to. Someone who says, I don't know. That's okay. We can't know everything. That's what learning and education, wisdom, and empowerment are all about here on this show. Thank you so much for that. I, I think it's so important. I always used to say that when I was a teacher. They'd be like, Mr. Govier, what about so-and-so? Like, well, I don't know. Why don't you go find out and let me know? So, so But I want to help people come to answers. I'm not trying to make everybody do their own homework. I'm just saying you can't know everything. <laughs> Having said all that, Matt, uh, what can we do for you in terms of promotion here and what people should know about what you got going on right now? Can we share, We've share? we shared the website, MatthewGovier.com, BehavioralHealthLabs.com. What else do we need to know?
1: Yeah, that, that's about it. Um, if you'd like to know more information, if you're suffering from anxiety, depression, um, just a sense of uh, like isolation and not really sure what to do or where to turn, um, yeah, please reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to help you. If I can't help you, I'll point you in, in a direction um, that you can get help in. And you can go to matthewgovia.com. Um, no www, it's just MatthewGovier.com. Uh, or behavioralhealthlabs.com, uh, either of those, there's a self-scheduler that you can book an appointment with me on. And uh, yeah, the whole system's completely automated, very
0: simple, user-friendly, easy to access. I've tried it. It's very, very self, and it's easy. You just can take care of it. It takes care of itself, and you just gotta follow it step-by-step, step, and it's really simple to use, trust me. Even if you're not savvy with the internet, or you're afraid of the internet and technology, Give it a chance. It's surprisingly effective and very, very easy to use for beginners. As far as uh, our show, uh, The Book Club is starting a new book next week. Leanne, what's that book called?
2: It's called The Universe Has Your Back uh, by Gabby Bernstein. And I just read the first chapter. So we're reading the first two chapters. It's every Monday, uh, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you can just DM us for the link. And uh, we've got a couple of new people joining us. So I'm really, really excited. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, I'd actually maybe one of the next times that you come on, Matt, I'd like to hear your thoughts about relying that the, this book is all about kind of not putting your control in yourself, but into the bigger realm of the universe kind of has your back and do the things and stuff. Yeah, higher power. So anyway, so maybe we'll get into that one of the times that you come on because I'd be interested about your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Definitely. Um, That's the, uh, yeah, it's one of the pathways to, well, recovery from anything. Um, She's a kundalini uh, yoga (laughs) practitioner and um, suffered from some what you could call addictive tendencies so mm-hmm. through kundalini yoga practice and the tenants and teachings, which actually came out in, and I'll wrap this up pretty quick. <laughs> actually came, Yogi Bunjan uh, who uh, founded the kundalini yoga um, did this at the uh, time of, he said like the age of Aquarius. And I actually went on a yoga retreat back in 2017 with uh, a couple of people who just did uh Well, it was all like kundalini yoga. So I learned all about it and uh, learned about some interesting things and there was somebody there named uh, her name was Sukdev Jackson, and uh, she was a very um, like bright, shining um, soul, definitely. And she told me she said, "Matt, you know what?" I said, "What's that, Sukdev Jackson?" She said, "Western woman is going to save the world." And I said, "Really? Okay, that's that's good to know." <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah." Yeah, it's going to happen. Just you watch in the next few years. Uh, it's like I was told this by my teacher and it's going to come true. I'm like, Let's interesting. Try. So um, the whole kundalini yoga movement actually underlies a lot of what's going on in our world and the people who are talking about empowerment and spirituality and in growth. Um, and a lot of them have a practice such as that. So perfect.
2: Okay, well, then that'll be perfect. We'll get you on when we're wrapping up the book, and then you can get into it. I love talking to you, Matt. This has been so good. I am so appreciative of you giving us your time. I know how busy you are, so thank you so much.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. As they say in Kundalini Yoga, Sat Nam. And thank you. (laughs) Awesome.
0: (laughs) Well, Matt will be back on the show next month, of course. He's uh, one of our favorite guests. And... We also have our weekly check-in on Wednesday nights, like we said, 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern on Instagram. Stop by if you're on Instagram. That'd be wonderful. Um,
2: Next week, we some... should have, yeah, Brandon Bailey's yeah. going to be Brandon coming Brandon Bailey on. was
0: supposed to be here last week. He stood us up. Well, he didn't really <laughs> stood us up. He kind of <laughs> fell asleep and just didn't wake up in time. It happens. So it happens. He's that busy. He's exhausted. I understand. Mm-hmm. He's out there on the streets trying to help people in Windsor. Yeah. So He's doing That's a lot incredible. with the
2: homeless. and It's been cold and... So, yeah, so we'll have him next week, and then we've got Danielle coming back, and so. And then
0: Matt will be back, and then uh, probably we'll see Mr. Uh, Mr. Wolf. Anti-Sugar himself, Dave Wolf, I'm sure will be back on soon. So Yeah. So, yeah, stay tuned that. I really feel what we're doing here is pretty unique, and I don't think there's a lot of live streams that have actual professionals on talking about mental health and engaging in honest conversations like this. I think this is a pretty unique venue here. We would love if anybody's out there, you know, you haven't heard of us, and, those of you that do like us, want to share it with people who don't know about us. I, it's not a egotistical, self-serving Mm-mm. message. It's a message of connection and wisdom that we can all gain by listening to each other's stories. Hearing what Matt has well, to tell us. Uh, yeah, it's the a new questions. business
1: model. The, the business
0: model is not
1: hierarchical, um, but instead it's horizontal. Mm. And it was actually the podcast community who started this. So it was just... Um, a given that each person would go on the other person's podcast. And then this is how it would grow organically to multiply uh, viewer's audience base and all that. And it all started here. Um, well, with podcasts, which this will go on a podcast, but yeah, it is I mean, podcast. that's, yeah. that's the system that this is the, that's the organic growth that only happens with one person helping the other person um, to, it's like water right so you take hydrogen so h2o right so you have two hydrogen one oxygen both are explosive and deadly on their own but you put them together and then they're life-giving and life-sustaining
2: hmm, there it is i love
0: that dude right now there's somebody's listening to this podcast right now the words coming out of our mouths and we don't even know who they are <laughs>
1: we
0: have no idea we might even never meet them but we hope you would first day pot of protonmail.com is our email if you have any comments or suggestions or you have curious about learning more about our guest matthew govier licensed professional counselor certified addiction specialist so much wisdom and knowledge thank you again matt it's been a pleasure everybody we'll catch you guys next week we'll be here 8 p.m eastern time just like we are every tuesday night and don't forget instagram wednesday nights at 8 pm
2: Bye-bye. Bye. thank you
0: bye thank you